Father, we thank you for the testimonies that were given. And Lord, that there are so many. And Lord, just the fact that you do uh, use us in your service. And Lord, allow us to be blessings one to another. Lord, that the Holy Spirit is there working where we can see and where we cannot. And Lord, we just thank you for all the different praises that were shared tonight. We give the praise and honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Brother, for Bibles and back to the book of Proverbs. And uh, I am not sure we're going to get this done tonight. I have seven pages of verses to cover. And that will get us to Proverbs chapter 31. And so, uh, uh, not sure we're going to get through all of that, but we'll just uh, plot along until... Uh, we run it out of time, and then we'll uh, try to pick up again. And uh, we, by the end of this, whether it's one week or two weeks, we will have covered every verse in the book of Proverbs. And uh, so we praise the Lord for that. Proverbs chapter 23. And uh, this is... Primarily to parents, verse 13, all the children will love this verse. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. And, of course, this is not talking about child abuse. Excuse me, but as a parent, once that child is born, do you know how many days you get off? None. You know how much vacation time comes with children? None. Uh, you, you have to, there is no time once a child is born that you can stop being a parent. And uh, today, in these days and times, everybody says, oh, I, you need to be your children's friend. No, they have plenty of friends. What they need is a parent. Uh, what they need is parents working together. And by the way, uh, correction is not effective if Junior can run to Mama and say, Can I do this? She says no, and then he runs to Daddy, and Daddy says yes. Uh, uh, just for those, uh, take these notes for little Franzito when he shows up. Uh, uh, we do double discipline when they ask one and get permission from the other because... You know, there are families that have ended up in divorce court because the children learned how to play the parents one against the other. If there's going to be correction, it's got to be consistent and it's got to be worked together and you will have a far greater chance of under-disciplining your child than you ever will of over Disciplining your child. Um, and by the way, you know when the best time to discipline your children are? It's when they're little. You can solve a lot of problems when they're little that you can't solve when they get big. Someone says, oh, but they're only two. Wrong! They're two years old! You've lost two entire years of their life. No, no. It's got to get started. Don't, and, you know, some people get crazy. Uh, 
You don't spank babies. I mean, and I'm, I'm sorry here, but if you have that little bit of sense, please, sign up. We'll, I'll do all everything I can help you with. But, I mean, uh, there's, there's got to be some, uh, how do you say this? Common sense? Uh, the problem is common sense isn't very good anymore because it's not common. It's very uncommon to have common sense anymore, is it not? And, and, you know, just this one little verse, withhold not correction, and we've covered several other verses that were very similar, and that's why we're picking this one up. And uh, you're, you're not, if you are a loving parent, you are not going to injure your child. But you know what you're going to do? You're going to have to do it over and over and over and over again. And in case you have any questions, how many of you learned the first time somebody told you no? How many of you learned a computer program the first time you tried to use it? Uh, it takes us adults repetition too. So don't, don't get overly worn out here. Just keep going here. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 25. We're going to follow along this same line of discipline, but this is uh, between you and other people here. Uh, Proverbs 25 and verse 8. How do we deal with people that don't know how to behave? It says, Go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know not what to do, in the end thereof, when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy turn not away. Now, these three verses in here give us some real direction on how we deal with other people. It says, go not forth hastily to strive. You know what? God has not called you... He has called you to discipline your children at home. But he's not called you to discipline other people's children. Uh, you better watch out for that. He's not called you to be the crusader that straightens out everybody else's problems. It says, go not forth hastily to strive. Don't try to solve everybody else's problems because sometimes you don't know what's going on. I'll tell you. Uh, I, I learned this the hard way in the ministry. Early on, some, a person would come to me and say, Oh my, you just don't understand what's going on in my home. And that my spouse, da 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 And I believed it. Well, two weeks later, the spouse comes in and says, Oh, pastor, you won't believe what's going on in my home. And da 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 And I'm sitting here going, Wow. This cannot be talking about the same person. Oh, yeah, it is. There are two sides to every story. Uh, don't publicize what you think you know. That's what it says. It says, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. If somebody has an issue, talk to them. You want to solve things? Somebody comes up and says, well, so-and-so did this. Really? Well, let's go talk to them right now. 
Let's call them on the phone. That's the biblical way of handling a problem, is it not? The Bible says talk to the person that's offended you. You and him alone before you go any further. And because you get a testimony for being a gossip, guess what? That doesn't go away very easily. No one will trust you. I've had people over the years say, Pastor, you talked about me in the pulpit. I'm going, no, I didn't. You have no idea who I was talking about. But if it sounds like you, maybe you ought to take some instruction. Amen? Um, the, the Bible tells us that we have to be very, very careful. Now we'll go to Brother John Marshall, Jonathan Marshall's favorite verse, 2717. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And if you were at camp, everybody's snickering because he sang that verse 25 times in 14 different keys uh, in repetition right after one another. But... Uh, the simple truth is, if you are going to sharpen a knife, a blade, um, you have to have something that is at least as hard as what you're sharpening with. That's why today the best uh, sharpening stones are usually have diamonds in them because they can cut the steel and uh, hone the edge so that you can sharpen uh, that dull blade. And it says here, how is a man going to be sharpened? Oh, by finding someone dumber than you and talking to them, right? No. Make sure that your friends know what they're talking about. Amen? I mean, if you've got an engineering problem, you know what I'm going to tell you? Find an engineer. Amen? Uh, if you've got a Bible problem, well, let's sit down and talk. Uh, if you've got uh, uh, legal problems, find a lawyer. Uh, find someone who knows what they're talking about. Because if you take a... Uh, well, anyway... To make a long story short, unless you know what you're doing and using the right tools, it's much easier to dull a blade trying to sharpen it than it is to sharpen it. Uh, and some of you have found that out the hard way. Uh, you don't have the right tools. Uh, it's just not going to happen. And the Bible says, listen, we, we need to sharpen ourselves. That's one of the reasons why I came to our church years ago and said, I need to go to fellowship meetings because I need to be around other pastors who can sharpen me, who I can sharpen, who we can be involved together with. And it's just there in the book of Proverbs. And look at verse 19. The same theme goes on of the same chapter. It says, As in water, face answereth to face, so the heart of man to man. How many of you have ever looked at your reflection in the water? 
You can see an awful lot, can't you? We need to have people who will check the reflection of our heart. You're not capable of dealing with that all on your own. That's what this verse is talking about. No man is an island. Just like a man sharpeneth his, uh, uh, as iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And we look in the mirror, and I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm glad every time I stand up in the pulpit that people that come to our church use mirrors. It makes it easier to preach. It just does. Uh, if you're sitting there and your hair is going 14 different directions and you look like you haven't had a bath in six weeks, it's distracting. It really is. And uh, I praise the Lord that we've had very little problem with that. But you know what? Spiritually, we need to do the same thing. How many of you have ever been in the funny house where you stand in front of the mirror and all of a sudden you're tall and slender? In fact, you're skinnier in the middle than you were on the top and the bottom. I mean, you look like an hourglass. You know, if you look in the wrong mirror, you're going to see things that you want to see. In fact, one professor in Bible college put it this way. He said, you know... There's an awful lot that you can do in the ministry to study. He said, comparing versions of the Bible with versions is not a very wise way to do it. Because what will happen is, you will find the version that agrees the most with you and pick it. That's why we use a standard in our church. You go to the Bible, and if you don't like what you see, guess where the problem is? It's not in the mirror. It's in what's being reflected. Amen? And we have to be careful. There are so many people that go places to get counsel, to get help. All the wrong places. Dr. Phil is not going to help you straighten out your love life. And if you believe Oprah Winfrey has wisdom, I'm sorry, just sign up. For, for counseling. I mean, it's bad. It's, it's real bad. Um, let's go down to one more verse here. Uh, verse 21 in this same chapter. And uh, again, the same idea, the same theme is being put together here. It's what we do to take care of ourselves, to, to confine ourselves, to make sure that our heart is going in the right direction. Verse 21, as the finding pot... Uh, chapter 20, well, I'm sorry, 27, 21. As the finding pot for silver and the furnace for gold, so is a man to his praise. You know, one of the most dangerous things in the world is compliments. That's what praise is. And sometimes we have devised backward ways to get compliments. Oh, that wasn't very good. You know, I, I tried, but I really messed that. Oh, no, that looks good. Tell me more. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, this false humility that is offered is something that we do so that we can get praise. 
The Bible says the finding pot for silver. Now, what the finding pot was, was something that could stand an awful lot of heat. And you would put the ore in there as you dug it out of the ground, then the silver would melt out of the stone. And then you would remove the silver from the pot. It was the refining way, the furnace for gold, because gold was much more precious. See, if you put gold in a pot with an open top, the whole... Um, the whole top layer would react with oxygen in the atmosphere and turn to gold oxide. Uh, iron pyrite, it's worthless. You would lose much precious metals. So you put the gold in a furnace so that all the oxygen would be consumed and then you would skim the dross off the top and refine that again and you would have very little loss the Bible says that's what we ought to do when people praise us. Instead of going fishing for people to compliment you, when people do compliment you, be very, very careful that you're not involved in false humility because that's just pride, backwards pride. That you're not all, also one of those ones that just passing out Worthless compliments. You ever meant to, oh, this is the best that I have ever had anywhere. They say that everywhere. You see, the Bible says praise is a very dangerous thing. Most of it is worthless. I think it was Spurgeon that said the most dangerous time in a preacher's life is the 30 minutes after he's preached an excellent sermon. And uh, he had the habit of saying amen and running to his office and locking the door so people wouldn't talk to him. And one of the, he was and still is esteemed as one of the greatest preachers that has ever preached. His sermons were just unbelievable. Uh, one of the reasons why they were was because he refused to accept praise. He worked very hard on that, and we need to be careful. Okay, Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 1, and we'll be done with this section. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. You know, when you are corrected, withhold not correction... When you correct those little children, what's the first thing they do? Man, I'm not going to listen to you. You tell them, quiet. I'm not going to be quiet. Whoa, you better watch out. But the Bible says, if you're reproved often, and what you do is you harden your neck, you're going to be destroyed. If you're getting information that is negative from more than one direction, uh, take that as proof, reproof. Uh, the problem is we don't see what's wrong with ourselves. You know why? Because we're back at the fun house picking the mirror we like. I, I like that one that takes the short, wide person and makes them tall and skinny. I just love that mirror. 
And I wish I could find one and put it on the scale, right? Uh, it doesn't work that way. But if we don't listen, we can get a hard neck. You know what happens to brittle things? They shatter. And you can't fix them. And that's what happens. As we can have a brittle life. Because we refuse to be moved by honest, careful reproof. None of us are islands unto ourselves. None of us are in the position where we can determine that our heart is in exactly the right place all the time. That's why we need to be answerable to other men. That's why we need to work and to follow and to uh, watch the Word of God. We need to be sharpened. We need to check out things. We need to refine the praise, and we need to make sure that we're not growing brittle or hard in our defiance, saying, I'm not going to listen to that, because the Bible says it'll be shattered, you'll be broken, and it says destroyed, and that without remedy. Okay, let's go back to Proverbs 23 and work our way through again. On the issue of government, and government has lots of things, and we're going to be, again, we're just picking up miscellaneous verses that we haven't gotten to uh, uh, yet. And so, Proverbs 23 and verse 10, 10 and 11, it says, Remove not the old landmark, and enter not into the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is mighty. He shall plead their cause with thee. Now, what this was talking about was in the land of Israel, your inheritance was set up uh, actually originally by Joshua, the son of Nun, and the elders of Israel at that time. And those lands were made secure to you and your family. The original allotments were quite large. And there was a lot of land there. Why? So that when grandson and great-grandson and all the great-great-great-great-grandchildren were born into the land, there would be a place for them to live. Now, what often would happen is a family would not have sons. And that inheritance would be then reabsorbed back into the larger family and redispersed. But it would be easy for somebody to go and move the landmarkers. That's what it's the, the, the boundary setters for property. And you could get more property by stealing, by moving those landmarks. And there's been many uh, churches, actually. They call themselves Landmark Baptist Church. There's even a group of pe uh, preachers that are known as Landmarkers. And uh, actually, I think Open Door Bible Baptist qualifies in that category. It's We say, listen, there have been some boundaries set up by God in His Word. And we're not going to move the landmarks. We're going to keep the boundaries where they are. 
The Bible says, enter not into the fields of the fatherless. Don't take things away from those who need it the most. You know, you can take advantage of, of, thing, of people just because the Father isn't there to protect them. The Bible says God's going to protect them. And I, I will tell you, my, my father passed away when I was just a young teenager, 14 years old. I've seen God protect our family over the years. Until the boys were old enough to do some things that men should do. God takes care of his people. Be careful what we're doing. Amen. Go to Proverbs chapter 24. And we're just going to go down through several verses here. Starting in verse 11. It says, um, oh, starting verse 10, I'm sorry. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart to considereth, and he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it, and shall not he render to every render to every man according to his works. You know, I, I read that story, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. How many of you remember the hundred-hour war in Iraq? It was going to be the mother of all battles, and uh, uh, everybody was going to be destroyed, and Saddam Hussein was going to bring about the end of the world. And in less than a hundred hours, the tanks were rolling into the borders of Baghdad. You know what? They did not have... They deceived the entire world about the strength of their army. In fact, you know who the most deceived were? Saddam Hussein himself. He deceived himself as to the strength of his army, and he couldn't believe that it was all gone in such a very, very short time. You know what? If you're going to live free, it's going to take a lot of effort. You know, I wish we could teach our State Department, these verses. They think they're going to go into a people that have been bound in slavery and despotism for centuries, as the Iraqi people have, and all of a sudden build a strong, free, prosperous nation out of people who have no idea what to do with freedom. Not going to happen, my friend. And by the way, when things don't go the way you want them to and you quit and go home, the Bible has a word for you. Weakling. Small strength. You know what? You've got to keep going. You've got to keep fighting. And it says that we are to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain because God is watching. And God is going to render to every man according to his works. You know what? It is, it is our job to stand up for those that cannot stand up for themselves. And that doesn't mean we believe in social justice and all of this foolishness that goes on today. But we do believe in the right of a human being 
to be able to make their own decisions rather than having decisions made for them. Amen? Uh, You can't get much more Bible than that. And so let's skip down to verse 21 and we're going to read through verse 25 of this same chapter here. Verse 21 says, My son, fear thou the Lord and the King, and meddle not with them that are given to change. Fear the Lord means to hate evil and to obey Him. It says, and the King. Meddle not with them that are given to change. You know, there are people that, quote unquote, are great patriots as long as the rulings are going in their direction. All of a sudden, somebody changes the rules and they want to run home. You know what I think of when I think read that story? I think of the history of the United States of America in the year 1860, just before the Civil War began. You know what? They were happy to fear the Lord and the King as long as the King did what they said. As soon as Abraham Lincoln was elected and they realized that slavery was in danger, they wanted to take their toys and go home. And what happened? 600,000 people would be injured in the war in the next five years. In a country whose population was minuscule compared to that of today. It says, For their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of them both? These things also belong to the wise. It is not good to have respective persons in judgment. He that saith unto the wicked, Thou art righteous, him shall the people curse, nations shall abhor them, but to them that rebuke him shall be delight and a good blessing shall come upon them. So, here is the, the Bible says that, listen, don't, don't meddle with them that are given to change. You know, there are people out there that want to change our government and change our constitution. Stay away from them. All they're going to end up doing is destroying this nation and themselves, by the way. And when it comes time to have judgment, it's not good to respect a person. You know, there are people that respect the poor and say because they're poor, they ought to be right. Uh, Does that sound like the Wall Street crowd, maybe? Uh, The 99% or whatever they called themselves. Listen, it's not good to have respective persons. Every person must stand on the same ground before the law. That's what Solomon is telling us here. And if you can't tell the difference, and this is what we have, we have people calling the wicked righteous and the righteous wicked. The Bible says it's the job of the righteous to rebuke the wicked. And that's what we shall do as long as God gives us breath. Amen? And uh, let's see if we can catch just a couple more verses here. Uh, Let's go to chapter 25, verse 1. And again, we're just picking up here uh, verses that... and, And these verses deal with government just a little bit. It says here, These also are the Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. So if you wonder why... Uh, sometimes the Proverbs don't connect with each other and aren't in series and in order. It's simply because 
King Hezekiah sent scribes to go in and find all the writings and collect them. And, of course, we believe the Holy Spirit superintended that collection. But it's not all going to be just one right after the other. And it says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. The, the Bible tells us, that it's God's glory to conceal a thing. Aren't you glad that God conceals our sin? But you know what? It's the job of the king to make an honest search and to gain the evidence because he cannot do what God does. He must judge evil in his empire. It says, The heaven for height, the earth for depth, and the heart of kings is unsearchable. Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Verse 5 is against that. Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne shall be established in righteousness. Put not thyself forth, I'm sorry, put not forth thyself in the presence of the king, and stand not in the place of great men. For it is better that it be said unto thee, Come up hither, than thou shouldest be put lower in the presence of the prince whom thine eyes have seen. So as we look at these verses here, it says that God conceals, but God has sent man to search out. If you will take away the dross from the silver, if you refine the silver, you get silver that you can use to make a vessel with. If you will take the wicked from out before the king, he will be established by righteousness. But it says in another verse that we covered, if the king, if the ruler hearkeneth unto lies, all of his servants are wicked. You know, we have people who are making decisions that you and I see very plainly as being very wrong. And we say, why can't the president, why can't the mayor, why can't people see how wrong these decisions are? Well, it's because their counselors are not based in the Bible. It's because the people who are helping them, uh, our mayor has, our new mayor has said this repeatedly. We want a progressive outlook. We are looking for equality. Now, there's only one way you can make people equal, and that's spread the misery around. It's a scary thing. We need to pray for our mayor. We really, really do. He believes some things that didn't work in Soviet Russia, and they're not going to work here. But he's going to try. Because he believes they're right. And don't try to exalt yourself. That's the last part of this because you are going to be ashamed. Now, let's go to Proverbs 2 and we'll cover two more, uh, 28, and we'll cover two more verses. And then uh, I think we'll draw a stopping point. Well, actually, we'll. You know what we ought to do is I ought to just draw the line in my notes right there and we'll stop and we'll move on, uh, Lord willing, next week. And uh, 
We're going to finish the book of Proverbs. It might just take a couple weeks, but uh, we've gotten halfway through all the verses that we need to cover to finish up to chapter 30. Well, not quite halfway through, maybe a third of the way through, but uh, we'll, we'll keep moving there. All right, let's just have a word of prayer and then we'll get into our prayer time. Let's just take a moment. Amen. Okay, take your prayer list if you would. Um, third Sunday, we pray for the church ministries. And uh, would appreciate your prayers this week as we travel to the meeting. That it truly would be a time of refreshing, a time of sharpening. Uh, pray for Brother Hiram.